Alrighty, welcome to another edition of the Queen City Roundup, where we talk about all things Toronto sports. We are joined today by Josh Wegman of The Score, and we are going to talk all things NHL, and we got a lot to unpack here. So first of all, Josh, thanks for, for taking the time to come and spill the tea with us. Hey, anytime, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Ah, no worries. Um, so let's let's dive into the meat here. So the NHL obviously announced uh, late in the weekend, I believe it was Saturday night, it was officially kind of rumored that there was a tentative agreement between the NHL and the NHL Players Association for a 56-game season starting on uh, January 13th, 2021. Um, initial thoughts on that. Uh, we'll go around the room. We'll start with Josh. Uh were you surprised by the timing or were you just kind of based on the talks that you were hearing that led to the tentative agreement? Were you more optimistic? Uh, I was actually just kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner just because of the time crunch, right? Like they were always, the reports were always hoping for like a mid January start. And, you know, we kept going later and later into November and then later and later into December without any sort of official announcement. So everyone's kind of like, you know, what's, what's going on here. We got to, something's got to get started soon. Uh, so yeah, definitely obviously thrilled hockey's back. Uh, thought an official announcement would have happened sooner than it did, but uh, here we are. Uh, we're still, you know, a few weeks away from the season. Uh, still getting a waiting on approval on some of the provinces to host NHL games, but hopefully that all gets cleared up and uh, we're off and running January 13th. For sure. Um, now this, this news is great. Obviously having hockey back is something that, you know, myself and Joey can obviously vouch for uh, wanting to happen, but we've heard obviously some hurdles are coming with some teams. Um, you know, we saw, of course, or we heard uh, that the San Jose Sharks will be starting their training camp and most likely their season uh, playing in Arizona. So we already have one franchise sort of splitting time with another franchise within their same arena and obviously state. Do you see that maybe happening with, uh, especially looking at the Canadian division? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, we don't know what uh, some of these provincial guidelines are going to be with allowing NHL teams to play, but I mean, it definitely seems like a possibility at this point. I know there was the one report before the NHL announced they were coming back that some of the Canadian, that the, all the Canadian teams could play in the States. I don't think that's going to happen anymore, given that they already announced the realignment and everything, but uh, I can definitely see maybe they start the season in like a sort of a hybrid hub in Edmonton or something like that. I don't know. I, I think everything will kind of sort itself out and every team will play in their home buildings, but it's really up in the air at this point. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a tricky situation right now, given everything uh, going on in the world, but yeah, everyone's uh, accustomed to that. So, and is tired of hearing about it. So we'll try to keep off of what's going on in the world right now, I guess, and uh, focus on hockey and, I'm really intrigued by uh, by this uh, Canadian division, just because you know the, all. I just Twitter will be very fun, I think, especially the, on the hockey side while all this is going on. Um, what are your thoughts on the all Canadian division? I mean, it's it's really exciting for obviously a fan up here in Canada. Like, I mean, it, it's going to be really fun. I mean, I think what ten games the Leafs will have against 
uh, Ottawa and Montreal probably, and then maybe nine or 10 against Winnipeg and the three West coast teams too. So yeah, it's, I think it's going to be really fun. And like, just from a pure lease perspective, it's kind of a nice, uh, a nice break, not having Tampa and Boston in your division anymore. Like I think not even being a home or anything, but I think the Leafs are definitely the most talented team in the division. And I mean, if they don't finish in first in the division, I think it'll be a little bit of a disappointment. So um, I'd say they're definitely the favorites. So it's definitely exciting from a Leafs perspective. Yeah. And like touching on the Canadian division, because like we're kind of finding out more and more in due time of how the schedule is going to be lined up. And it looks like on the 13th, it will start uh, sort of normal um, to many other opening nights where you know the, the Leafs will play the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, looking like that will be their first game on the 13th, uh, whether that's in Montreal or Toronto, that's obviously up in the air. Um, a lot of people are, are looking at this Canadian division, and it's very mixed. Um, some people are obviously for it. Some people are obviously against it. Do you think this this will most likely just be a one-time thing, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, I would I would think so. Yeah, because like I, I know some people like um, like the one that comes to mind is uh, Sid Sixero on Sportsnet was saying like the Canadian division would be obviously great to have. Uh, I personally would argue against that just because it doesn't help the whole grand scheme of hockey throughout the country if you know teams are you know not in the playoffs and being uh, represented. So um, let's dive into the least roster here because like there's it's a lot to unpack. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, question marks um i guess the biggest question that i have uh and this is obviously a depth question do the leafs have the best goalie depth now with the fact that they can roll with three goalies on their roster without putting anybody through waivers i mean they might and now that there's the taxi squads right i think uh so like i don't i don't know exactly how the taxi quads are going to work but the fact that you can keep a goalie on there mean probably means he doesn't have to clear waivers right because if it was just a normal season i think aaron dell would have had to go through waivers if i'm not mistaken but with the taxi squad now and you can have dell there yeah they definitely have nice goaltending depth which we're not necessarily used to i mean say anderson or campbell go down or say they both get COVID or something dell is definitely not the worst third goalie out there he's he's like he's He's maybe like on the lower end of the backup scale, I'd say, but having him as your third goalie is really nice. Uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a bonus of the goaltending depth they have now. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Speaking and of even, the, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, finish. Just even like, hey, say, <laughs> say both Anderson and Campbell get COVID or something, then you ought to roll with Dell, and he and he can't play every night, and we. <laughs> Watching Michael Hutchinson play is not great, but as your fourth goalie, a guy with like actual NHL experience is uh, always nice to have. We We're often a bit forget. Of a yeah, a we bit often of a forget. In the yeah, he could have. We could have had a Michael Hutchinson, uh, you know, at least a Western Conference Final appearance for Michael Hutchinson. I was That's crazy. Hoping, I was hoping. It. For a Stanley Cup, just to be like double the burn of having not only Kadri win it, but having Hutchinson win it. Um, but I think the hockey gods are a little more sympathetic. Uh, well, no, not no, no, they are not. Um, so, Joe, you had a question. 
Yeah, no, like uh, speaking of the of the depth that the Leafs roster have has this season, there's a lot of new faces, you know, with the Wayne Simmons, Joe Thorntons, and uh, TJ Brody. Uh, which one of those do you think are are going to make the biggest impact? And is there any of them that kind of that kind of worry you a bit, like like as a Leafs fan? Um, I mean, I think Brody will definitely have the biggest impact, which is just kind of obvious, right? He's the guy they spent the most on five million a year. Uh, I think he's, I mean, if you look at the list of Morgan Riley's defense partners in his entire Toronto tenure, it is a, it is a sad, sad list. So, uh, the fact that he's probably going to start the season, Riley and Brody, uh, that's definitely going to help Riley a lot. I think Brody, it's just, he's steady, right? He's not overly flashy. He skates well. He moves the puck. He's not like a guy throwing out huge hits or scoring big goals or anything like that, but he's just going to be really steady. I think. And like, I also wouldn't be surprised if Brody maybe ends up on the shutdown pair with Muzzin. Uh, but even then that, that means Riley could be, end up with Hull or maybe Bogosian or Dermot or Latin and any one of those guys really would kind of be an upgrade from Cody CC. So, uh, Brody is definitely excites me the most. Uh, I, and as much as I love the Joe Thornton signing and for 700,000, I mean, you can't go wrong cause it can end up poorly. Right. But, uh, I'm curious to see what he has left in the tank. I mean, the Joe Thornton fan in me wants to believe he can still play even if he's pretty immobile out there. But uh, that does concern me a little bit. I mean, how well he can get around the ice and the fact that, so if he's going to be your third line center and say Spets as your fourth line center, you don't really have, or even if Kerfoot's centering your third line, you just don't really have like a matchup line you can use in your bottom six. So how that all shakes out, I think will be pretty interesting. Yeah. My my biggest uh concern with uh with Thornton is yeah, like you said, his uh his mobility because the Leafs are such a fast paced team. I don't want him to really like mess with that with that and just kind of like bring down that whole line with him. But I'm also back and forth on him too, because I'm like, if you have a guy like him in the locker room, I know last season there's a lot of questions about some like Leafs players and their effort and all that. I don't think that happens with a Joe Thornton in the locker room either. So No, yeah, I totally agree. He's gonna be awesome for the locker room i mean everyone around the nhl loves jumbo right so uh i think he and he's obviously really motivated he wants that cup so i think he's gonna be great for the locker room and i do think though if there's one team in the nhl where he can still maybe thrive and have one last kick at the can here i do think it is strong just because they're such a heavy puck possession team right and Mm -hmm. thornton's best attributes are passing and protecting the puck down low so i think I think it kind of fits right into his game the way the Leafs play. So, I mean, that's that's optimistic thinking, but uh, I do think that helps rather than a team who, you know, wants to chip it deep and crash into the D. Like, that's not really Thornton's game, right? He's kind of going to hover around in the offensive zone. He's hanging a little bit high. He's, uh, I don't know, I think, I think it could work. But who knows, just because his puck possession and passing skills are s- still so good in his vision, I think... This is yeah. probably the best fit for him. I think he'd be fun to watch on like the second power play unit. For sure. Yeah, I was just about to say, because like, you know, if you put him in the faceoff dot, like in the, you know, obviously in the offensive zone, like he can literally just pass it back and then his, you know, his hands are still money. Like you can literally just thread it to whoever's in front of the net and that can easily be a, a huge uh, offensive threat. 
Uh, I want to go back to the taxi squads because I know you mentioned it before about how obviously Aaron Dell will most likely be the third goalie that the Leafs rotate with that. Um, talking about the blue line, uh, it's a really interesting question because like um, before we kind of heard that the league, that the league was going to implement, uh, implement these taxi squads, like Joey and I have gone round and round of like, who's going to be on the bottom pair? Who's going to be waived? Who's going to be buried in the AHL? Uh, who, who's going to be traded? And we all assumed that it was going to be Justin Hall. Um, but now that most likely is not going to be the case. Um, if you were to put your uh, Sheldon Keefe hat on right now, uh, who would be your top six pairings? I know you already kind of mentioned like what you uh, we, what the top pairing would be at Riley Brody, uh, but what would you say would be the like the you know the other you know four slots, and who would be on the taxi squad in that sense? It's obviously it's really tough to say right now. The one thing I do really like about the Leafs D right now is there's lots of competition, right? And I do think actually that they'll carry like on the active roster, they'll only carry 12 forwards and then they'll carry seven D and then there'll be like one healthy scratch each night. Right. And I could see them a lot of the time uh, dressing seven D. I mean, you saw Tampa do it a lot in the playoffs. Right. So that's definitely an option for Keith, but in terms of like a prediction, maybe like opening night top six, I'd probably guess Riley, Brody, Muzzin, Hall, and then I think Bogosian and Dermott with Lettinen being the seventh. But I think Lettinen's a guy, he definitely has to get in there maybe game two or as something pretty early, right? Because I feel like part of the reason why the Leafs are so successful in luring these European free agents, you know, like they've done with Mikheyev and Oshiganov in the past, not that Oshiganov was good, but it's just a guy that they convinced to come to Toronto. I think part of that guarantee must be like, Hey, you're coming here and like you're getting a spot in the lineup. You're getting a spot to sort of show yourself, right? Like you're not coming here to play in the AHL, anything like that. So Lettinen will, I'm I'm really excited to watch him play because he's definitely the guy we know the least about. And I mean, he was amazing in the KHL. I've watched like some video on him, but nothing crazy. So uh, really excited to see what they have in him because it's, it's not like they're just going to roll 60 and he's going to be their seventh kind of like break glass in case of emergency type guy. Like he's going to play, he's going to get his shot. So I think maybe they will be obviously Riley Muzzin Brody are, your staples, right? I think I can, you could see like a, maybe a revolving door between Hall, Bogosian, Dermot, and Lettinen in terms of, hey, whoever's playing the best, you're staying in. Maybe the other three are kind of rotating in and out. Uh, I do think it's good for Dermot. It'll be some good, healthy competition for him. And same with Bogosian too. He's only on a one-year, $1 million deal, right? So they could easily bury him if he's uh, – He's not playing well, but yeah, lots of competition there. I think if I had to guess opening night lineup, though, Lettinen would probably be the odd man out. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, this is a a problem that the Leafs have never had on defense for years. It's a good problem, to, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a good yeah. problem, and I'm just it's like about time that the Leafs have like defensive depth. But this is a I'm thinking about like uh, Rasmus Sandin, who I think played pretty well last season too. But I guess with all the depth, you like see him getting his chance with the Leafs on like a more like day to day basis, or you think he's just like a call up in case of injury or just on the taxi squad? Yeah, if I had to guess, like probably the latter. I mean, I don't, 
do we know do we know yet if there's going to be an AHL season? I'm not positive that's happening. Like I was t- I was read that it was going to start around early February, but I think there's still a lot of logistics, especially with yeah. how, how the NHL goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume Sandine and Lilligren for that matter start down there just because they have seven guys right with more experience. They're all a little older, so I think Sandine will be the kind of guy where it's like injuries or I guess like you you could have now COVID uh, positives uh, and then Sandine's up for that. But unless I think the only way Sandine is sort of getting into the lineup over guys like Bogosian, Dermot, Lenton, and Hull on a regular basis. If is if in camp he's just looking unbelievable and looks like he's really progressed and all. I know there was uh, a story a few weeks ago that he's really beefed up and he was joking like Nylander can't even move me type thing, which mm-hmm. was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think Sandine uh, will only be in the lineup, I guess, if there's emergencies uh, to start the year anyway. For sure. Um, speaking of starting the year, uh, let's talk Nick Robertson because that is a great problem to have uh, in addition to the uh, to the D de- de- problem that the Leafs have. Um, where does Nick Robertson play? Because you're not sending him back down to junior because I don't even know if the OHL – I think they want to start again in the new year, but like I don't even know if I would risk sending him down there. Um Again, like we don't really know about what's going on with the AHL. Like, do you, do you, you know, kind of dress him and just have him practice with the team? Does he go on the fourth line, third line? Like, who, which center will have the privilege to be the veteran uh, leadership to Nick Robertson? Do you think it would maybe be a Joe Thornton, uh, a Jason Spezza, or do you think maybe Kerfoot slots back into the three seat mold? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. So I mean, the fact that Robertson is not playing in the World Juniors to me means that there's a really good chance he's making the team, right? And I mean, given what he did in the OHL last year, like 55 goals, and I thought when he played in the the restart, I thought he looked all right. Like he, you know, he's obviously super young, but that full off season should really help him. Uh, I do, I do like the idea of having him with Thornton, you know, Thornton kind of take him under his wing a little bit. And then maybe the third member of that line could be something like Mikheyev. You kind of have, so you have a bit of, you have the veteran playmaker in Thornton, you have a quick goal scorer in Robertson. Then you have like a bit of a workhorse in Mikheyev, you know, guys retrieving pucks, doing some of the dirty work. I think something like that could work as a line, but it's also, it's also going to be interesting because so what I was sort of talking about with Lettinen, right? Like these European free agents aren't coming here to to watch from the sidelines, right? Like they're kind of expected to play. So I think Barabanov will probably get his shot too, right? And then so between Barabanov, Robertson, and VC, like someone between those three, I think is going to be the odd man out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But uh, yeah, Robertson, definitely excited to watch him. I If I had to guess which center he'll be with, I would – I would guess Thornton, but uh, could also see Spezza. I don't think they'll rush Robertson into the top six or anything like that, though. It was crazy that you mentioned Barabanov because I remember when the league shut down in March, like we didn't hear all that news. And then we just saw that the Leafs signed uh, Alexander Barabanov around the beginning of April and everyone just lost their minds because they're like, wow, we actually have hockey news. And then Miko Lennon happened like a month after and they're like, wow, we still have hockey news. And then we're like, okay, we don't have to see them until 
if and when there's a, there's a next season. Uh, I'm kind of, I don't really have a question right now. Uh, uh, oh, I got, okay. I got, no, um, you, you go first. I'll go next. <laughs> Unless it's my question, which it probably might be. Uh, yeah. My, my question kind of revolves around uh, Alexander Kerfoot just cause I feel like he was a bit of a scapegoat last year, especially for a lot of Leafs fans. Like I offensively, yeah, I guess he could have produced more, but I thought like defensively and stuff, like he was like really valuable, especially in like a third third line center type role. Um, do you do you think they'll move him to wing to make room for Thornton, or do you think that he'll be that he'll just be the third line center? Like because that's a pretty interesting scenario to see how it how it pans out for him. Yeah, my I think my guess would be is that he starts the season on the wing. Uh, I personally would like to see him with maybe Tavares and Nylander. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure those three, they didn't play together a ton last year, but that trio had some really good underlying numbers. But the the nice thing about Kerfoot is the versatility, right? Say Thornton kind of looks like he's really lost a step. Uh, you can always put him on the fourth line or, and then you can move Kerfoot back to the third line center or, you know, if Spezza's kind of, Looking like there's not much left in the tank there. You can always move Kerfoot back to center, but my guess would be he starts on the wing because the problem is you can't have Thornton and Spezza on the same line, right? We're kind of all in agreement there. Like they're both a little too slow and little too much of the same player to almost be with each other, right? So yeah. then I think Kerfoot would maybe like I and you're not putting Thornton on the wing. I just don't think that's his game. So you could maybe put him. You could put Kerfoot on Thornton's line maybe, and he can do some of the center work down low, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think he would start on the wing. Uh, I I personally would rather see him start in the top six than I would Mikheyev, just because I think Mikheyev can support some of those guys in the bottom six a little better, and Kerfoot probably has a little more offensive upside and playmaking ability. So I think I'd I'd like to see him – start in the top six, but who knows? And yeah, like you said, he wasn't, he wasn't great last year, but he wasn't awful, I guess. Uh, I mean, the offense production really kind of took a hit, but I think, yeah, the, the wing, I think is probably best for him, but we'll see what happens. So I have two questions. One, I just thought of in Alaska right now, will we see the Corsi God Martin Rich and skate up for the Leafs this season? Oh God. <laughs> I because, personally, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say because this guy's never leaving. This is the new Roman Polak. I hope you all know that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I hope not. I know some of his underlying numbers are really strong. And, like, I'm a pretty big numbers guy. But he's someone I sometimes just can't stand watching. Just, like, he just he can't make a pass sometimes. He's, he's flat-footed all the time. He's really slow. The one thing he is super good at is that guy has such a good stick. Some of his breakups in the neutral zone and breakups on – opposing team zone entries are really good, but I think he's again, like kind of break glass in case of emergency only. Like, I think we already mentioned the seven D that I think are going to be in the mix to start. I would, I think Sandine would have to be ahead of him on the depth chart. Now, uh, depending where Lilligren progresses, uh, he might be ahead of him. And then, so I guess you're down to guys like Rosen and, uh, Marincin if that happens so I'm I'm hoping we don't get <laughs> a Marty Marincin action this year but history says he'll probably get into at least a couple games Marincin must be like the nicest guy on the face of the planet that they keep <laughs> yeah they just keep on bringing him back <laughs> and he's so, I, 
I mean, for like an eighth or like for your ninth D, maybe he's definitely not the worst guy to have. Like he can come in and he's okay on the penalty kill, I guess. But like, yeah, I, I'm hoping they don't have to see him this year, just especially because like, I'm, I like the puck possession game for the most part, but the problem is not everyone can do it. Right. So when Marincin's out there, sometimes he just needs to flip it out because he can't make those cute little passes, especially in his defensive zone. So it just, I don't think it works all the time with him in there. So I'd, I'm really hoping we don't have to see him, but I guess a good insurance policy nonetheless. So speaking of depth, uh, there's one name that we all kind of forgot about on the depth chart, and that's Timothy Liljegren. Um, because I remember everyone was so high on this kid um, when he fell to 17th, everyone was literally like banging on their desks that the Leafs would pick him. Uh, and people had him going as high as I think the top five, if I'm not mistaken, top three even. Um, do we see him maybe like, especially when you look at the right side with, you know, most likely it's going to be on the right side depth chart. It'll be like Brody, Paul. Uh, I know they said they wanted to play German on the right side. We could see some of that and Bogosian. Um, does Lilligren suit up for the Leafs at all? Or do you maybe think that, you know, maybe the Leafs look at perhaps maybe flipping that asset for something down the line? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be totally shocked if he was involved in a, some sort of future deal because I think he still has that prospect shine. And like you were talking about on draft day, I was one of those guys. I'm like, Oh man, like he's still there. A couple more picks. Then they got him. I was pretty ecstatic, but because I, I'm pretty sure like the year before his draft year, everyone was talking about how this guy could be like a top five pick in the following year. And then I'm pretty sure in his draft year, I think it was either an injury or an illness, or maybe it was like, I'm, I might be wrong here. Maybe it was mono or something. And he really just, yeah. yeah, that's it. So he, wasn't as good as in his draft year, but I mean, the abilities there, but I mean, in his call up last year, he, you could, it was pretty evident that he was not NHL ready. Um, maybe this long off season uh, will serve him well and he'll get uh, maybe more physically ready for the NHL. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll play much this year. Cause again, we got the seven guys and then Sandine's definitely ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, hey, we could see him at some point though. And I mean, it'll be like, you don't want to see him cause that means there's injuries, but at the same time, you kind of want to see what you have in him in a sense. Uh, he's still super young and I think he's definitely an NHL defenseman like in, moving forward, but how early that is kind of remains to be seen and whether he can be a top four guy is still really unclear at this point, but uh, he was, he took a huge step in the AHL last year by all accounts. I mean, I don't watch like a ton of Marley's or anything, but everything you hear and read, uh, he was really good when the AHL last year didn't really, you know, he looked a little shaky when he got called up, but I, I am uh, wishing the best for him and hope uh, he can pan out, but we'll see. Uh, I want to uh, take a bit of a turn back to the uh, all Canadian division. Sure. And I just want to, uh, I'm, I'm curious who you think is the, is would be the toughest task for the Leafs in that division, just because like you said earlier, the Leafs are probably the most skilled in that division. I personally think the, the Leafs are running away with this division unless they leaf it up, which is very possible. Um, but yeah, who, who do you think would be their toughest competition in that division? Um, I really think it's the Calgary Flames this year. Um, I don't 
like the Markstrom contract for them long term, just because I wouldn't necessarily pay a goalie. I think they gave him six million a year for six years. I think that could that could take an ugly turn at some point, but in the immediate future, that's fills a pretty big need for them. I mean, he's like a legitimate number one guy, right? And mm-hmm. They have a really good defense. I mean, I know they lost Brody to Toronto, but Tanev is a pretty solid replacement for him, even though he pretty much has nothing offensively. He's still a pretty solid defender. Um, I, I think Calgary is definitely the second best team uh, in the North. And I think if if Toronto doesn't win it, I, my money would be on Calgary to finish first in that division. Montreal, again, looks pretty good too. Uh uh, Suzuki and Kakniemi took some pretty big strides in the return to play. They looked, they looked pretty legit, especially for Kakniemi. That was a that was a pretty much a 180 considering the season he had last year. And now you bring in Toffoli and Josh Anderson. I don't like the Joel Edmondson signing for them. I really don't think he's that good. So their defense still kind of worries me. But I think Montreal's pretty solid too. But honestly, Edmonton. I think we could see some regression from Edmonton. To, you know, bringing the same goalies back. They don't have Clefbaum for the entire year. Um, their power play was so good last year. It's almost like it's just due for some sort of natural regression in a sense. I know they have yeah. super talented players there, but uh, I could see some regression from Edmonton maybe. Uh, Vancouver, obviously, they lost. lost some, I know they got Nate Schmidt, but they lost Tanev and Stetcher. Uh, they lost to Foley and uh, I want to say they lost one more forward, but um, Vancouver is not looking as strong. And like they lost Markstrom, right? And I don't think yeah. he's very good. So uh, I definitely think Calgary is the biggest uh, threat for Toronto. So who would you say the most overrated team would be? <sighs> That's tough. I think probably Edmonton or Vancouver. I mean, I guess there's some people out there who are really high in the Jets. I'm not one of them. I like their forwards are great. Their top six is really good, but uh, like Hellebuck was so good last year. Like, I don't, I know he won the Vesna, so like he got his credit, but I don't think people realize how amazing that guy was last year, considering how awful they were defensively in front of him. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really improve their defense at all. I mean, I guess there's still time. There's a couple guys out there like Hamannick, who's from Manitoba. Maybe uh, they signed him, but their D is their D is not good, and you you gotta kind of expect Hellebuck's not gonna play otherworldly again this year. I know he's a really good goalie, but um, I think that's a team that's gonna get scored on quite a bit, even though they do have a really good goalie. Um, so when you look like let's uh, we don't want to take up like, too much of your time here, but uh, now with the new imposed uh, playoff format of the top four in each uh, division now going to make the playoffs. Uh, who do you think – I know you said that uh, Toronto and Calgary would most likely be your picks to, to come out of the new North division. Uh, who do you have coming out of the uh, the West, Central, and East? Um, I mean, the West is – the top three is pretty obvious, right? I mean, Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis should all see – all those three teams have an easier path to the playoffs, I think, than any other – teams in the NHL, just given that the rest of that division, right, is Anaheim, Arizona, LA, Minnesota, and San Jose. The three California teams are all like three of the bottom five or six teams in the entire league, right? And Mm -hmm. then, uh, I mean, Arizona and Minnesota are nothing right home, though. The fact that one of them is going to get into the playoffs, possibly, I mean, I wouldn't rule out LA necessarily. Uh, They're a really good possession team, but... 
yeah, the fact that that fourth playoff team out of the West division is going to be bad. And I think they're going to get pumped in the first round, <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the other two divisions are really tough though. I mean, in the central, like Carolina, Columbus, Dallas, Tampa, Nashville, Florida, those teams will all be really competitive. I don't think Chicago and Detroit will be, but those other six are going to be super competitive. If I would have to guess the other two that missed the playoffs, I mean, that's really tough. Maybe Florida, Nashville, it's, it's, it's really tricky, but uh, I could honestly, I could see some big time regression from Dallas too. I know Sagan's out to start the year. That's a pretty big loss, but um, you know, that cup run, seemed like it took a lot out of them. I think the list of injuries that came out afterwards was pretty long and deep. So I wouldn't be totally shocked if Dallas is one of the teams that is like a, cause I, I think this season is just so bizarre, right? So there's probably going to be some really surprising things that at the end of the year, if someone, you know, if you said like Dallas might miss the playoffs, that sounds crazy, but I think there's going to be a few of those kind of storylines at the end of the year. You're like, wow, like that's pretty nuts. But that East division, though, that that division is definitely <laughs> the best in the league. If I had to pick my four playoff teams out of that, I'd probably guess Washington, Pittsburgh, Philly, and Boston. And I know that would mean maybe the Islanders are out and the Rangers are out, but it's, you know, someone's got to be out, right? New Jersey and Buffalo could have a rough go in that division. Yeah, that East is that East division looks. Uh, looks yeah, that's really a terrifying tough. division. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, in the World Cup. Whenever there's a World Cup, there's always death, that one yeah. group of death. That's the East division. Um, so I, I guess I found it hilarious though. Actually, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you saw. Uh, uh, I think it was Peter DeBoer. He was commenting on Vegas's division, calling that the group of death. When in reality, that's yeah. like by far <laughs> the easiest division. Like, what do you mean that's the group of death? There's two other good teams in that division. Like, there's a real possibility <laughs> that like one of like Washington or or the Flyers misses the playoffs because that division is just so ridiculous. No, yeah, exactly. The fact that yeah, like Minnesota or Arizona, I would probably put my money on Arizona. The fact that Arizona is probably going to make the playoffs maybe and then a team like maybe the islanders or hey maybe yeah flyers penguins like don't make it like it sounds crazy but like it could legitimately happen so it's definitely mm-hmm. going to be a bizarre season yeah uh so i guess uh kind of wrap things up here get into the get into the holiday spirit um if it being christmas what do you think is on the top of the toronto maple leafs uh uh wish list for uh for santa claus to bring them <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. Um, <laughs> uh, we're actually doing some power rankings. Uh, A second round and... exits. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually doing some power rankings with that exact theme, giving each oh, team wow. a gift. <laughs> but uh, that's, I mean, this is such a cop-out because every team could wish for it. But, like, I think in a season like this, it just can't be understated. Like, good health. Like, mm-hmm. the team that and um, what I was referring to, like we could see a really good team miss the playoffs and maybe a team people thought were not great make it because it could be a team that stays healthy. It could be a battle of attrition, right? So I think uh, it's an easy answer, but I'll have to go with health, nah, both physical health and I guess COVID related health. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we've kind of like, we could talk about this for hours because we already know that uh, even though we already have a good base for, for hockey to return, the NHL is going to do something to mess it up. Like, I just read something. I read a Chris Johnson tweet that apparently uh, if the player comes into contact with uh, another player who tests positive, uh, if the player tests negative, they don't have to worry about uh, quarantining, uh, which is 
very iffy to some people because there's a lot of false positives, false negatives. So, I mean, it's going great. It's going very great. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be interesting. But, I mean, we've been talking about the Leafs' depth for a while, right? So, I think uh, Dubas probably maybe had an idea of what this season might look like when he was uh, going bargain hunting and free agency and just mm-hmm. stockpiling depth. So, that'll be super important, I think. Yeah, I was talking – <laughs> I was talking with some friends yesterday and I was saying like, like is Kyle Dubas like a psychic or something? Cause he like acquired so much depth that he almost knew that there was going to be like taxi squads. Yeah, no, uh, he definitely either had a good source or maybe just a good inclination. But yeah, the fact that they have more depth really than they ever have in recent years anyway, is uh, definitely going to be helpful. I think. Mm-hmm. As long as they're, uh, as long as the big boys stay healthy, they should be okay. Yeah, that's For what sure. I think too. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I think we're, uh, I think we've kind of hit everything on the head here. Um, anything else you have, Joey, that you want to discuss? No, no, got through everything I, I want to talk about. I'm glad that we talked about uh, Martin Marincin. Very happy about that. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, We'll go ahead and uh, you want to give the listeners a little bit of uh, a plug for your work, Josh? Or... Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Josh Wegman underscore, and uh, you can find all my work. Either I tweet it out or you can find it on the score app in the NHL news section. All right. That sounds perfect. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thanks very much for, uh, for coming on, Josh. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime, guys. Uh, Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for coming on. All righty. Thanks once again for for Josh Wegman coming on. You can find him on Twitter at Josh Wegman underscore. Uh, And also you can look for his uh, many articles on the score, score score.com, score app. Yeah. Um, But anywho, uh, let's dive into basketball. Because some stuff did happen. And also the NBA, we're recording this on the official start of the NBA regular season. Uh, the Raptors will be playing uh, when this episode goes up, which will be the 23rd. Uh, and are we just going to play the Pelicans every year now? I feel like that's what it's going to be. Every year it's going to be play the Pelicans. I think last year they wanted it to be the marquee matchup because, you know, Zion coming into the year against the defending champs and then he got injured and it kind of, put a put a stop to the nba's plans but so they're just doing it again (laughs) yeah um so of course uh before we get into a special uh holiday edition of our our show and get a little festive uh masai ujiri and bobby webster said here you go here's a present and og and anobi signing for four more years at i believe 70 is 70 on the dot or is it 72 million 72 million. So uh, for those of you math nerds out there, which I, is totally not me because I am horrific at math. Oh, me too. Um, but uh, that is uh, roughly coming in at just about 18 million, uh, you know, for the next couple of seasons here. Um, but let's dive into this. Cause I feel like this is like a lot of people are agreeing with, with when they say, this was a steal of a deal for the Raptors, and they are really good that they got this contract up before even the start of the season. Well, I think 
yesterday was the deadline for it, no matter what. Oh, was it? So, oh, okay. yeah, because the NBA, they don't really sign sign deals like in the middle of the of the season. So, uh, yeah, this was I think it was perfect to get him now, because if you wait till the offseason to get him, I think he would have warranted more money just because I think the ceiling with OG and Anobi is extremely high. I think he's the best. I think he has a higher ceiling than Pascal Siakam does. And don't get me wrong. I love Pascal Siakam, but I do love me some OG, too. Yeah, let's dive into that because uh, I got into, I don't want to say an argument, but a uh, discussion with my cousin um, because we've been talking about a lot about what the Raptors are going to be doing uh, in the uh, upcoming season. Uh, The Raptors have also been tied to James Harden, which I don't think that that's going to happen. No, you can get into that too if you want because... Yeah, that's what I was kind of segueing. Because like you're torn here because you have a core of... Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and OG Ananobi locked up for pretty substantial term. Like, I think all of them are locked up until at least 2024, if I'm not mistaken. Or, yeah, it's, no, it's, yeah, I think 2024, because Pascal signed his max deal uh, in the offseason of 2019. So, no, uh, yeah, so Siakam has four more years because that contract kicks in. This season. Okay, so he's got four. So he goes till 2024. OG goes till 2024. And then Fred Van Vliet also goes till 2024. So those guys are all locked up and accounted for. So you got a decision to make. Do you um, do you maybe keep Pascal and, and ride with him? Or do you maybe flip for a superstar? Because my, my cousin and I, we were talking and he was saying like, you know, to win a championship, you need to have a definitive superstar on your team. And that's when everyone saw the Kawhi trade happen. Uh, even though we all know Kawhi Leonard's going to come back here after this year anyway, because the Clippers are just. Uh, Did you hear Kawhi Leonard's comments? Yes. Do you want to say that? Yeah, um, I don't have them in front of me right now, but um, it doesn't look like he wants to stay, and uh, he doesn't want to be a Clipper for much longer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of funny because everyone was like, oh, he wanted to go home and he goes home and it's like, wow, like, I could have obviously, like, how funny is it that he could have literally gone to the Lakers and that super I don't, team would have gotten yeah. so much better. It's funny because I don't see, like, the Clippers doing any better than a second round exit again this year just because I think, I think Denver is legit. They're not legit enough to beat the Lakers. I don't think anyone's going to beat the Lakers, but... I think Denver is a lock, like a lock in for the Western Conference Finals with the Lakers. So yeah, I just, I just see another second round exit for the Clippers. They didn't get much better. And Paul George, like we all know how he does come postseason throughout his whole career, just kind of fizzles away. Yeah, he just kind of fizzles away. He's not like the Paul George of, uh, I don't remember what year uh, it was he won the MVP. Year. Yeah, but but yeah, um, so like and and like. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, maybe this is just the homer in me too. So maybe take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But like if Leonard, sorry, if Kawhi Leonard really wants to win, he knows that he has a chance to do that here. He's familiar with our system. He knows that we'll give him the days off that he wants for load management and all that. His son was born here. I don't know how much that will go into play, but like, I don't know. I see, I see just a fit that makes sense for everybody if he does become a free agent. I'm wondering if Masai staying or going will have a huge factor. I think it will just because like they, it looks like they had a really good professional relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think the only thing that he was kind of a little, you know, taken aback by was the fans just because like, especially with Kawhi watch, people were a little, uh, a little insane. That that, that. that was stupid that I hated. Yeah. I think it was just because everyone was like, so starved for a winner. Everyone thought Mm -hmm. like everyone's going to stay here. Um, but, uh, and he was going back to James so go, Harden. Yeah, let's go back to Harden because, like, I was talking uh, to like again, like in this conversation that we had, and he was like, you know, Siakam would be probably fair bait, and that was apparently from an inside source, one of the asks, uh, which was funny because I heard Jalen Brown's name if the the Celtics were involved in that, which like I think that would be stupid if they literally <laughs> traded one of their best, probably their best rising star player for a year maybe of James James Harden probably. Um, it's really getting to the point where like I know Harden wants to win and I'm not saying that he won't do it in uh, Toronto. I think he definitely will. It's just like you have to do astronaut like you have to pay like an Anthony Davis level ransom for him. And like if anything, in hindsight, the Raptors kind of got lucky with the Kawhi trade. Yeah, they really did. Because to acquire a superstar like that, I'm surprised they have to give up like their first round picks for the next like eight years. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about. Because I was saying mm-hmm. like with, with Kawhi, like, you know, okay, De- DeMar DeRozan is a phenomenal player. And I, I would love him on my team still. But, you know, to get Kawhi Leonard, who's A, won the MVP I think it was what 2013 or 14 when the Spurs won the the title. It was 2014. Right. So like at that point, it was like five years removed. He's still really good. They know his injuries. They know his limitations. They have great doctors and development with their coaching staff. They know how to manage him. With the Clippers, they don't. And to me, it's do you how do you manage a guy? And to me, like with Kawhi. I know that, um, you know, he's, you know, uh, considered kind of a cancer to many people in the locker room, but like, have you met James Harden? No, man. The way, like, honestly, just seeing like the shape that like James Harden was, James Harden was in showing up to like those preseason games last week. That just like tells me like, this is just a guy who like doesn't really care much anymore. He's not really someone I'm on my team. I've been like saying for a while that I don't think, Harden is the guy that you have to lead your team to a championship just because I don't think his style of play like can do that because he's not really team oriented. He plays a lot of ISO and like, and, and just for that reason too, like I don't see the fit with like Nick nurse and how Nick nurse like puts his team together and all that. So I just yeah. don't see it. I'd rather just keep Kawhi keep OG instead of trading them away and, and just testing your luck on free agency to get some, to get someone. I think if you look at this Raptors team and like, again, like I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not a professional when it comes to basketball, but I feel like it almost looks like the Raptors, like Kawhi has the opt out after this year. So I almost just feels like the Raptors could easily just go ahead and kind of keep the quarter that they have this year, even though they lose Kyle Lowry, which is going to suck. If I have a feeling doesn't. Lowry comes back. I, I think he retires as a Raptor. I, I feel that too. 
because um, he's like what thirty four. Like he's still got a couple years in him. Either he retires a Raptor or he goes to like Philly for a year. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like, especially like if Philly does, because I think Philly was a front runner to get Harden. I feel like if they do that, having Lowry and and Harden on the same team would just be kind of bittersweet. Uh, mm-hmm. If it happened not in Toronto, but if it happened uh, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like with Lowry, like that's really the only asterisk. Like I, I would love to keep him around here forever, but like, you know, if you're paying Fred Van Vliet that money, like, you know that he's going to be your starting point guard. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have a uh, Malachi Flynn who's in the waiting in the wings. So Malachi or Malachi. Sorry. I'm, I'm horrible with names. Did I say Malachi? Oh my God. Yeah. That, sound, that sounded like I'm an old <laughs> white guy. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like the Raptors are stacked when it comes to their their shooting guard depth. Well, when it comes to their backcourt. Yeah, their backcourt they're loaded, especially at point guard. Um, like I honestly see a situation where maybe like a Kawhi comes back, it's almost like you know who do you take out of the like on the court, like if you, or even hey. if you trade for Ibaka, because like I think like Ibaka's wait, wait. not not going to stay there more than the two years he signed. We're just like we were talking about the Leafs with earlier. Like that's a good problem to have. It's not a bad thing to have too many good players. It's just like, do you want to pay somebody, you know, eighteen million to sit on the bench? You know what yeah, I mean? It's well, like you you gotta be well, able that's, to. That's the NBA play. for you. Like like there's a lot of really good players that come off the bench, but like even then, like let's like let's say Kawhi does end up coming back. There's potential of a starting five of um well Baines has the option for next year. I can't remember if it's a team or player. I think it's a team. All right. So let's say they bring him back and you have Boucher at center. Might there's possibly have those one of those two will be starting. It might be more like of a one A, one B type of thing with the, with those two if they come back next season. And then you'll have Van Vliet and one of Flynn possibly Davis, possibly Flynn, possibly Powell starting on the other guard spot. Like the, you could start either one of them, honestly. And if, especially if the development goes well with, uh, with Flynn, this is assuming Lowry doesn't, <laughs> doesn't resign with us either. And then yeah. there's, and then, and then there's Siakam and then OG, and then you still have Leonard there too. So, <laughs> so that that's a championship caliber team. I honestly don't know how things are going to go, especially with the uncertainty of this season. But, like, two things. One, after seeing preseason uh, basketball, I'm really excited to see the season start. Um, do, especially now with seeing the Nets, a little worried that it's going to be uh, a kind of a battle for the top four seeds. But I think the Raptors are definitely there when it comes to at least getting one of those fourth seeds. I've learned to never uh, underestimate what Nick Nurse can do with what he has. I was honestly waiting for you to say, don't underestimate the heart of a champion. And I'm just like, bro, <laughs> like you're a year late on that reference. <laughs> no, I've said that too much on Twitter. Over, yeah, exactly. Over last season. Um, yeah. Like it's like, it's crazy. Like Nick, like Nick Nurse just knows how to get the best out of everybody. Like you saw that last year too, when the Raptors kind of exceeded expectations and they were like a few turnovers, or a few less turnovers away in that game seven from winning that game. I think the Raptors lost that series more than the Celtics won it, but but whatever what's done is done. 
honestly, I still stand by this that the Raptors beat themselves in Game Seven. They, yeah, they the did. They, they had what like how many turnovers? It was like twenty three like, turnovers. Like twenty three, like which like never happens. Especially yeah. for a team that was really good. Especially like, on a Nick defensive. Nurse team. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, it's it's really, uh, really insane. And and think about it. And that was also with Siakam, like, struggling, too. With their best yeah. players struggling. So, like, now, I mean, obviously not having a, uh, a Ibaka full... and Gasol. Full, yeah, and also having a full pack stadium will impact uh, players' morale just because, like, a lot of people mm-hmm. are driven by the fans. Um but I think to be fair, it's it, it's going to be more of an uphill climb uh, than it was last year, just because like there's going to be a lot of teams that are are obviously better. Like Brooklyn right now is literally uh, just curb stomping the uh, former Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not looking good. I feel like it's, it's going to be one of those things where I look at. Uh, I look at Brooklyn and I'm like, I see probably they get maybe the number two seed after Milwaukee. It's crazy how deep um, Brooklyn was. I was talking yesterday to some friends and I said, I said like Brooklyn is so, is so deep that they can trade for, for James Harden and still have really good depth just based on the amount of depth they currently have. Yeah. And it's crazy. And like, the thing is, is with Brooklyn, like, you know, they've always been kind of like that team that's like near the bottom of the standings. Like they're not spectacular. And if they do make the playoffs, it's because they, you know, I don't want to be a dick, but it's because they sucked. Well, they made that, they made that trade a few years ago when they first moved to Brooklyn that really altered their franchise for like the next like half decade when they, when they traded for uh, Pierce and Garnett. And like gave away like all the draft picks basically. Yeah, and worth noting, uh, I don't. I hope I don't jinx this. I feel like like the Raptors have not missed the playoffs since the 2013-14 season. Since they traded Rudy Gay. Yeah, since they traded Rudy Gay, they've been in the playoffs. So like this team mindset right now is really really high, and I want to see what I want to see. I feel like the ceiling is going to go like very far. Yeah. With this with this core, and like I are they NBA like champions caliber? Maybe not close from they what they were before, but they're still up there. Like they're still. I think they're they're a lock for the second round, and they could make the like they could make the it's not out of the realm of possibilities for them to make the conference finals. Yeah, it's like one of those two. To be honest, like I, I that's personally what I think. Uh, but yeah, like just to wrap up, like the Raptors talk, like there's still a lot of speculation. There still hasn't been any games yet. Um, we're going to find out obviously game one, uh, technically tonight because we're, it's going to be up, uh, by Wednesday morning slash afternoon. Uh, but like the Raptors schedule is very interesting. Cause like they start against the Pelicans, uh, then they got the Spurs, um, then Philly, then the Knicks, like they have a pretty light schedule for, for the first couple of games. Like I, I'm not gonna, I don't want to sleep on the Pelicans, mm-hmm. um, but like Philly's not the team that they once were. Uh, I think Philly got better actually. Really? Philly, Philly was a team who were good, but they just had no shooters. They had nobody that could shoot. Now they add Seth green or sorry, Seth Curry and Danny green 
to the mix. Like you, they finally have their like shooters now and you still have Embiid who's, who's just a force and Simmons can really dish the ball out and play elite defense. And Tobias Harris can still drive to the rim every game. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, I think that's a solid team there. Like they're like, yeah. And then also there's a possibility that they trade, uh, trade for Harden too. So, so who knows with them? I don't think they're, I don't think they're a team to be taken lightly, Philly. True. It's going to be like the East is so stacked when it comes to the East got a lot better. Yeah. I think the East is definitely the division to watch the West, the West I too. Mean, like it, it's, it got a lot better. Like this like, is, uh, I was, I was, healthy. I appeared on my, on my friend Stacy's show from, from who writes for crown hoops. And we were talking about the NBA and we were making our playoff standing, uh, our, our playoff standings, uh, predictions and it's tough going one through eight in each conference there's maybe like a handful of teams like in the entire league who have like absolutely no shot at making the playoffs like every a lot of teams are going to be fighting for sure yeah uh so do you want to get into our our holiday cheer event because it's a lot of baseball or soccer stuff yeah other than Vanny signing with LA, which good for him. Uh, Wish him the best. People were so upset about that. To be honest, it's mm-hmm. literally, he wanted another challenge. He did everything that he could with this, with this core. Yeah. Boredom is a real thing, you know, and it's just yeah. like, and also like, you don't want to stay at the same job forever. Like, like, yeah. like TSC, like the door will always be open for him to come back. You want mm-hmm. to do something else. And if you look at the LA galaxy, if you're uh, an MLS fan, yeah. uh, they are hot trash. Yeah, that's a, actual garbage. It'd be fun to see what he does there with that team. Right. Um, so uh, we're feeling festive, even though this year doesn't even feel like Christmas. It doesn't even feel like Christmas is within. You have your uh, your Christmas sweater on, or your hypothetical Christmas sweater. I do have a Christmas sweater, but I'm gonna be wearing it on Thursday, nice. um, which is. Christmas yeah, Eve. I'll be wearing Christmas Eve, probably Christmas Day. Nice. Um, all of then, mine are all of mine are sports related. All of my Christmas sweaters. I, I got, have <laughs> I have a I think it's Santa behind bars, like doing a mugshot. Nice. I got sick. a I got a Raptors one. I have a Blue Jays one with like both of them have like those hideous like Christmas sweater designs. And then I got it, the is it the Joey Bats one? No, I have that one. I have the Mary flipping Christmas one with Jose Bautista flipping the bat too. So I have this like a regular Jays one, the Bautista one, and a Raptors one. And that Bautista one is undefeated. I love that one. That one's that one was probably the best thing that was sold that Christmas. Like, oh, it literally. was. I bought. I remember like the second I saw it, I'm like, okay, I got to get this, and I just ordered it. <laughs> yeah, like that's literally all you needed. Uh, but anyway, so Joey and I were uh, we're in the mood, and we want to ask Santa for a lot of stuff because we are a we are Toronto sports fans, and we ask for everything every year and never get it. Um, so we're hoping that this year, since this year has been so much of a shithole that we actually get what we want because hopefully 2021 is a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, uh, let's, uh, let's What's up? we're doing, what would be on the top or what we think as, as fans of each team would be on the top of all the Toronto sports teams, wish lists. And I guess for this episode, we'll just be doing Leafs, Raptors and blue Jays. Yeah, we'll do the big three. Uh, mm-hmm. TFC, TFC, it's kind of hard to judge because, like, we already kind of got everything with them. So, like, mm-hmm. they, they, they can go, they can, they, they can rest for a bit. 
we got we got demands. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, the Raptors won a championship. Like we got demands from yeah. the other franchises. So, mm-hmm. uh, which one do you want? To, I guess we'll start with the Jays because we already kind of picked on on the other two franchises. Yeah, I'll let you uh, start. What what as as a fan, what are you asking Santa for Christmas involving the Toronto Blue Jays? I am asking Santa for two of Trevor Bauer, George Springer, and DJ LeMahieu. Oh, you're being a little greedy, aren't you? Two things. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Let, me, <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit. Um, I'm just going to say DJ LeMahieu um, because it would be a big FU to Yankees fans and also because... Our franchise. Yes, exactly. Um, and also it shows the definitive door being open of the Jays contending. And also, like, you could spend a lot less in pitching realistically like the Jake order like even Masahiro Tanaka if we're being a little I'm not, see, I'm driving not, the heart I'm not big on, on on Tanaka I don't know if it's me if it's just not, me. not anymore it's like one of those things where it's like if you were to go like five years ago everyone would want him now it's like okay he'd be a good like three two three no guy. we're not looking for a three guy I want ace if, if you're done with your point I'll just get right into mine um, my you're welcome for it, by the way. Thank you. Cause I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I, you know, I've been being this drum since the off season began, but man, Santa, please give the Toronto blue Jays, Trevor Bauer. Like this is the player that the blue Jays need. This is the player that brings the blue Jays into relevancy. Um, you get, imagine a one, two punch of Ryu and Trevor Bauer. Like, is there a better one-two punch in baseball? I mean, I would argue maybe Scherzer Strasburg is still up there when both are healthy. But um, that's the thing, when both are healthy. Cole, like, well, Cole and Severino, maybe. I don't think Severino's as good as whoever you put as number two of Ryu and, and Bauer. Right. But, yeah, that's... I don't know. That's that team makes the Blue Jays a World Series contender, but but with that will come a possible division title. So I don't know if I want my Christmas gift from Santa to be a division title or Trevor Bauer. I'm just gonna say Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer, because with that, that's like the gift card that you can get the division title with. So I'll say that. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, let's go to the Raptors. So you, you start this one first. Um, Hmm. This is tough. My Christmas present for the Toronto Raptors or what's on, sorry, what's on my Santa list for, for the Raptors right on the top of it, right on the top of it for me. What do I want from them for Christmas? Uh, this is tough with the for the Raptors, man. Um, I'll say I want some respect. Damn, that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty intangible asset there. I want some respect because I still don't think like the general population in terms of basketball fans have enough respect put on the Toronto Raptors. They've seen what Nick Nurse can do with anything that he has. He gets the best out of his players. The Raptors. The Raptors, it's a system more than is more than it is about the players. Obviously, good players help the system, but that's just how it works with anything. But yeah, I just want some respect for the Toronto Raptors. And I think that's what they would like to. I think they should have been playing on Christmas. 
Yeah, I see what you're. Uh, I see what you're saying there. Um, what I want, uh, I'm gonna ask Santa for if you were to, if he if I were to ask any like personal thing, it would be Kyle Lowry's glutes because come on, man, like oh he want that. He's a uh, thick ass boy. Don't don't do that voice ever again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, if I were to ask, I want. A breakout season from OGN and OB. Because it's gonna happen. And when I ask Santa for stuff, I get him. I mean, except for Stanley Cup, but we don't ask that. And I just gave away the next one. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think OG is gonna pop off. 2021 is gonna be the year of OG. It's gonna be literally awful. If only 2020 wasn't so bad, because you could literally go 20 OG instead of 2020. But I mean, I guess no. We can't have fun things. No, not always. Uh, but yeah. I guess. Okay, so now the now we're going to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Uh, you want to start us off with the Maple Leafs? Uh, sure. All right, go for it. Because there's a lot of things you can ask for. Uh, let's see. It's three Stanley Cups, five uh, Prince of Wales trophies, um, Austin Matthews scoring 60 goals. In a 50, game. how many games in a 56 game? 50 and 56, yeah. You know what? They're, they're playing the the Canadian division, man, like they're, they're playing the Ottawa Senators so often. <laughs> Obviously this is a stretch, but man, the Senators are bad. It would be funny if that happens. Um, so I guess for me, I think the easiest one, just be get to the afraid second round, please. Um, I don't care if we face the Bruins in the second round, if that's possible. I don't know. How it's not possible. Are. It's not. Okay. No. So, uh, so one team from each division will be in the in the league, like semis. But, but the conference, but the conference final. Like, so it would be what it would be like. The Leafs would play, say, Calgary in round one, and then another Canadian team in round two, and then round three, if possible. Well, they, be, then they'll go into like finally play a team outside of Canada, which would probably like if it was the Bruins. Then I'm, I'm imagining like I'm hoping in that situation because. By like the spring, summertime, we sort of kind of see some normalcy return, hopefully, and maybe we get Maple Leaf Square back, but that's that's a stretch. Um, Who knows? I think another thing that I'll add, and I hate to be like one of those people that keeps asking for more and more and more, um, but uh, I want Maple Leaf Square back. Uh, I miss it. Yeah. Uh, Maple Leaf Square and Jurassic Park. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping that once people kind of get, you know, you know, their shit together and the va- and you know, vaccines and all this other stuff that like we kind of get it again. I'm hoping by like at least next fall. And like people are gonna say, Oh, it's gonna be so long from now. It's gonna be like, bro, we literally got to December from the longest March of our lives. It's not gonna be forever. It we're in the final stretch, people. Just be Yes. Smart. All right, you try and top mine. I think mine's pretty legit. Honestly, uh, that was probably going to be mine. But mine is my my gift that I would like from Santa is to just. I want 
the Leafs to just finish first place in the to finish first place in the Canadian division. And that's because I have a few, I, I think my ass is on the line when it comes to that. Cause I don't know if you've seen my Twitter lately. I've been talking mad shit. Yeah. You've been going off. I've been talking mad shit about the Leafs being the best, but then for whatever reason, I wasn't thinking about that. This is the Toronto Maple Leafs and they can very much leaf this up. And I think everybody knows what I mean when I say they're going to leaf it up. Uh, I really, I just hope they come in first place and win around. I'll say both. I'll be greedy for the Leafs just because, and it's not even asking for much if you think about it. I can't believe that's what asking a lot is out of the Leafs, but, but Crazy. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. Uh, but yeah, I think we kind of got, uh, we got all of these put together. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Christmas comes New Year's and we're going to do, what is going to be every team's New Year's resolution? Mm-hmm. I guess we'll start with the Leafs and work our way backwards. All right. Um, so New Year's resolution, play better defense in front of Freddie. Done. <laughs> My New Year's resolution would be just like play hard. I know that there's been a lot of things said about the Leafs, about their heart and about like their effort levels and all that. Let's just let's just like show show like we care, which which I know has happened a lot last season. I think a lot of what was being said in the media about the Leafs not not caring and everything, I think a lot of it was uh, overstated. But there were some players in particular who just looked like they didn't really care. So I'm just gonna say to those players, just just care about what you do. True. It is your job, after all. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to the Raptors, uh, this will be your forte. All right. For my resolution for the Raptors would be, let's get, oh, God. There's a lot that you can say for the Raptors. Um, My resolution for the Raptors would be, hmm. Let's get through having to stay in Florida. Let's just be smart while staying in Florida during a pandemic. <laughs> Let's try not to get the virus in Tampa where they they live in like the Wild West and there's like a lawless state there when it comes to treating the virus. This is very true. Uh, I feel like a majority of the players are going to treat this very respectfully and reasonably, but... I mean, again, this is the NBA we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, like, who knows? Uh, for me, I'm just going to say uh, my New Year's resolution is going to be uh, just pretty much uh, what would be the word to say? Uh, don't do anything reactionary. And. Mm-hmm for fans to not call for trades every five seconds. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Just, just chill. Everything will be fine. And you'll be ready to deal with it. Once the season comes to a close, like it, it, it's going to happen. But I mean, you know, just kind of be patient with this team. Cause I think it was a championship. It's pretty, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah. This, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I feel like Raptors fans now, they got a taste of winning 
and they don't want anything else. <laughs> so yeah, it's tough, man. It, it, like it's tough on Twitter seeing like all these like players like they're so quick to trade Siakam already. Yeah, like, it's almost like everyone wanting to trade Martyr too after the play-in round. Which was, gee, I wonder. I wonder who that was. Yeah, God, what an idiot! Mm-hmm. What an actual pissy ididiot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, so now going back Blue Jays. to Blue uh, no I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll start us off for the Blue Jays. Um, let's play better defense. Let's be more responsible with our base running. Okay, how about just just let's be baseball smart. Just because last year I feel like they struggled a lot when it came to defense and they made a lot of base running errors, which came into costing them some like pretty pretty close games, which could have helped them in the standings to avoid Tampa Bay in the playoffs when they made it there. So let's just be smart out there on the diamond boys. Uh, yeah. And uh, one thing that I will say, uh, in addition to the diamond, base running, be smart mm-hmm. with it. Last year, y'all were a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. Tight, tighten up, make smart decisions, get faster. Because if they <laughs> – even get a fraction of the free agents that the Blue Jays have been linked to for this season. They're going to be a team that's ready to compete, and you can't be making those mistakes when you're a team that's ready to compete. Right. All right. Uh, yeah, I think we really got everything. Yeah. That's it. So for the Queen City roundup of the year that was 2020. Yeah. So uh, I don't think we're going to be doing a New Year's one. So we're going to be taking the next two weeks just to kind of, you know, relax. Uh, And then we'll be back in 2021 where hopefully we have a little bit more calm. But I mean, as many people say, the winter might be cold. Uh, Mm -hmm. So who knows, man? Yeah, this will be, uh, be interesting. But yeah, anyways. Let's hopefully 2021 brings good for the brings good for all of us. And I know 2021, we got big things planned for this, for this podcast and everything. So keep your eye out for that in the new year. Yeah, we shall. We shall hope for it. All right. So I guess, yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas, happy holidays and happy new year. Be safe out there. And we'll catch everyone next year.